welcome to episode 186 of the Various Sundry Podcast. I am your host, Matt Harmon, joined live from the Vault Studio, the beautiful campus of Grace College and Theological Seminary, by my good friend, my colleague, my co-host, and the man who called someone senile in his Sunday school class yesterday, John Scott Sloat. I stand behind that comment. <laughs> I wondered if I should feel bad, and then people came up to me and that were there and told me uh, not to feel bad about it. Yes. So. so you're saying he had it coming? I think so. I told you the 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 context. Yeah, you did. Uh, and I think you said, yeah, that was probably called for. Yeah, I mean, the the guy is a bit of a character, uh-huh. so it's not like. It's not like this is something where he would have been offended by it. Yeah, I, I don't get the impression he was. In fact, later on he goes, excuse me, John, I'm senile and forget this from last week. And I will ask the same question next week as well. Yes. So. OK. Yes. Now, now your, your, your lovely wife was less than uh, thrilled with that maneuver in class. Usually anytime I teach, there's one thing that I say <laughs> that my wife is just like, oh my gosh, John is burning bridges <laughs> or upsetting people or offending others or yeah. something like that. And nine times out of 10, I'm not, I'm not troubling anyone <laughs> too much. So, but that one time out of 10. So perhaps her conscience is a bit more sensitive than yours? That's, I think that's a fair comment. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um. If you'd like to get in touch with the show and uh, see if John will call you senile, you can reach us on Twitter at VNSPod. Or, or is it going to be called X now? Have you seen this? That, that Elon Musk is he's starting something new, changing the name of Twitter? I'm still very confused. We'll see what happens. Let's let's wait it out. But yes, I did see the, I did see his tweet announcement of it. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't know what's going on. I, I'm told that he wants to turn it into like – have you heard of WeChat? No. So in China, uh, there's an app called WeChat that basically is a, more of a text messaging service, mm-hmm. but you can bank through it. You can, you can do all these different things through WeChat, and we just don't have an equivalent in the United States. And basically, he wants to become the WeChat of the West. Okay. So, but will the, so then what becomes of Twitter as we know it today? Oh, I don't. Know. In in the sense of just, hey, I'm posting update. I'm posting funny thoughts, you know, scurrilous accusations, church history, and Seinfeld memes. <laughs> yes, uh, I I don't know what happens to Twitter. Uh, uh, I I imagine it will always have that feed, mm-hmm. but I don't know what that ultimately looks like. Yeah, but he. I don't know what verb to use, right? Because it was Twitter. It's a right. bird. You tweet. You tweet. Yeah. It's now an X. You X'd him? You you ecstasy? Like what's – that doesn't sound good. No, no. Um, I don't like X as a verb. No. I I think I'm going to keep calling it Twitter for the time being. Okay. And just, we'll see what happens. Just clarifying. I think the app is still a bird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, have you – by the way, have you checked out Threads, the, the meta – Facebook. No, I deleted Instagram and it's tied to Instagram. And so okay. I decided I wasn't going to make the jump. Okay. I haven't either. I haven't either. Uh, you can go old school and you can email the show, variousandsundrypodcast at gmail.com. Elon's not changing my, my email. Not that we're aware of. Yet. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on YouTube. We would love for you to leave a review and a five-star rating. And um, I, I didn't tell you I was going to do this, but we have breaking news on the program, John. Oh, what is the breaking news? Uh, we've had another book published, you and I together. Oh, is it on? Is it it's, up? It's up. Oh, wonderful! Yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah. Well, do you want to? Do you want to fill people in? Yeah. So uh, some of our listeners may be aware that uh, the Gospel Coalition has a set of uh, freely available online commentaries. And um, we did Second Peter, and that was published probably a year ago, right? Yeah. Uh, let's be clear. The Gospel Coalition wanted Matt Harmon uh, to write a couple commentaries, and Matt goes, I don't have time for this. <laughs> Let my peon John write these commentaries, and then I'll give it, I'll give it, I'll give it my, 
my approval. Well, okay, let's let's clarify that. <laughs> One, you're not a peon. Uh, two, basically the process was you took what I had written in published commentaries. That's right. Yeah, and tried to radically condense it and add in some of your own insights and that sort of thing. It wasn't just a sort of yeah condensing exercise. And then, um, you know, we edited that and crafted it and all that sort of stuff. And and uh, finally, uh, Galatians is available. When did we turn that in? We t- well, what, April? Yeah, I was about to say three months ago. That okay. sounds about right. Yeah. And uh, have we been paid? Maybe this isn't the proper context to talk about whether That's we've been paid for Galatians or not. I don't know that we have. We should probably check into that. What do we do? <laughs> Oh, I can follow up. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Who do we email? <laughs> um, I I can find somebody to email. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm not worried about that. Okay. Sounds great. But anyway, it's published. Uh, where can <laughs> it be up. found? Um, I don't have the. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll throw a link in the show notes. That but sounds great. But it's like if you go into gospel, if you go, if you search like Gospel Coalition. Uh, I think concise commentary. Yeah, if you search that in Google, that was the original name of it. And then um, it'll it'll take you to the to the like the Google will take you to the main page, and then from there you can scroll through and find uh, our contribution on Galatians and Second Peter. So nice. Well, um, that's exciting. Yeah, yeah. So I thought I'd throw that in there. Um, I forgot to mention that to you. Um, they also notified me, by the way. Uh, yeah, there we are. Yeah. Uh, it has you down as Matthew P. Harmon, though, Does on Galatians. It? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Remember, they had me down as John Sloan initially. Wait, didn't they have you as Paul? Yes, it was Paul. Oh, it was You're Paul right. Sloat. Paul Sloat. Paul <laughs> Sloat. Doesn't exist as far as I'm aware. <laughs> Not that we're aware of. So, so Paul has now transferred to your middle name, I suppose. I guess. Matthew P. Harmon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got we to gotta get that. Get, gotta get that Do they have that on Second Peter? No, there's just Matthew Harmon on Second Peter. Okay. Well. <laughs> Still some work to be done. They almost got them all up there. Getting close, yeah. I'm glad to see we're not the last ones, you know. No. Anyway, um, so uh, they also notified me that, you know how I taught my book Asking the Right Questions? Yes, yes. At CCC. And it was recorded. Four years. This is pre-COVID, I believe. Yeah, I remember. It was a packed house, but I I remember specifically we were – it was recording focus, and so people were not allowed to ask questions. Well, I would I until would, a designated right, time period. Right, right. Well, I sent the, all the all the materials off to them years ago. <laughs> I'm like, whatever happened to that? And then out of the blue, I got an email a month ago, three weeks ago. Hey, by the way, your course has been up. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Good to know. So, anyway, uh, maybe we could throw a link in the show notes to that as well. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, I think that's all of the uh, all the intro stuff I wanted to get to. John, you ready to talk some sports? Sure, sure. I'm looking. I'm sorry. I'm looking for your asking the right questions. You do that. I'll, I'll segue us in. Okay. Here. All right. So um, there wasn't. Again, this is the time of the year where there's not a lot going on sports wise. Um, that probably the big thing over the weekend was uh, what we. What we Yankees call the uh, the British Open, but uh, the Brits just refer to it as the Open Championship, and it was uh, apparently won. Not that I, not that I saw any of this, except for maybe a couple of highlights. Uh, it was won by one of my distant relatives. Yeah, Brian Harmon. Brian? Yes, Brian. For yeah. some reason, I had Bryce in my head. No, I have no idea if he's actually a relative, and he is part of the inferior AN. Yeah, I was about Side. to say he spells it differently than you. Yeah, Harman. But he's American, right? Harman. Yeah, he's American. Not sure where he's from here in the states, but he's American. Well, good. I love it when we can conquer in Britain as well as the United States. That's right. That's right. Uh, I mean, you know, I have a Brit living with me in our home. Yes, we've claimed him. Yes. Um, have you seen the I'm... hat he likes to wear on occasion? No, no. I am getting lunch with him on Wednesday. Yeah, he mentioned that. He, he's looking forward to it. Um, he has a hat. It's a red hat. And it says, make America Great Britain again. Wow. <laughs> wow. 
which is funny on multiple levels. But one is like he is very much a he loves America. Like he's not in any way he's not in any way sort of like snooty Brit who feels like he's sort of slumming it by living in the States here. Now, what's his palate like? Is his palate more British or oh, is no, his palate more American? It's more American. Okay. Yeah. That's – I find – Now, he still will eat beans and toast. Not, not, he hasn't done that yet in our house. But he, okay. like for breakfast, he would he would eat beans and toast or some other British dishes that, that – I've had beans and toast before. <sighs> yeah, no thanks. It sticks with you. It's, it's, it's hearty. <laughs> yeah. You know, sometimes you eat breakfast – American breakfast and it just – you're hungry an hour later. Mm-hmm. Um, but beans and toast sticks with you. Yes. So uh, anyway. We are off the rails. Yep. Uh, big so time. yeah, Brian Harmon uh, won the uh, British Open. Or the Open if or you're the British. Open. Uh, let's talk Mets. Are they still terrible? Oh, it's been a rough – it's been a rough go. Um, you know, the talk for a while was, oh, they're going to trade Scherzer. They're going to trade Scherzer. I'm not sure we could find somebody to take Scherzer. He's okay. pitching so poorly. Wow. He gave up four home runs in his last start. All right. Not good. No. Not no. good. Uh, what about the Jets? Uh, they're on hard knocks. Right. I, I can't remember if we knew that last time we recorded. We did. Um, we did. Which you, you were lamenting, actually. Yeah. Because that's, uh, that's generally not something that works out well. So question for you. Yeah. Do we want to cover hard knocks on the pod? I don't. Is it on HBO? Yeah, I don't have an HBO subscription. Neither do I. I might get one <laughs> just to just to watch. Okay. Um, is it something that we want to discuss on pod? Uh, maybe as as long as I'm not obligated to to shell out the the ten bucks a month to like. I mean, I, I'm sure you could find a recap video online or something. Maybe, yeah. Uh, but is it is it is it content we want to cover? I, I mean, I don't know why not. Okay, they're your team. Yeah, it, it is my team. I mean, if if there was a hard knocks equivalent for Ohio State football, we'd be talking about it. Yeah, that's probably true. Um, yeah, so I think I'll probably subscribe. To, okay, I'll try to get a th- three month trial or something like that. There you and, go. And go. Uh, go from there. I'm doing that with Apple TV right now. Okay. Um, so uh, I have seen though, and this is in part just because I mean Garrett Wilson, former Buckeye. Sure. Uh, so a lot of the Ohio State football feeds that I follow will retweet stuff from Jets training camp or whatever. Does it feel like I've infiltrated your uh, your Twitter uh, feed a little bit? Nah, not really. Okay. Um, and they've shown a couple of clips of, of Garrett Wilson making absurd catches. Like mm-hmm. he's just. Did you see his toe tap at the back of the end zone? Yes, that and was like incredible. Caught the ball almost like the back half of it with his fingertips. With his fingertips, yeah, that was pretty fully cool. extended. Saw him beat Sauce Gardner down the yeah. line as well. That was yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, him and him and Aaron Rodgers seem to be forming a good bond. Yeah, yeah. I mean that 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 should be that should bode well for your. For your Jets. I hope so. Oh, my goodness. Even if we could win a playoff game, I'd be over the moon. I mean, so I mean, the East, I mean, obviously, now the division is is about the Bills. Yes. I mean, used to, for, I mean for, for, for two decades, it was the Patriots. Yes. Now it's the Bills. Since I was in junior high, it was about right. the Patriots. Yeah. And then it kind of feels like it's been um, – Patriots and Dolphins at that next notch down, and then the Jets have been kind of bringing up the rear. Now, with the addition of Aaron Rodgers, mm-hmm. I would think it's Bills, and then those next three teams are kind of a toss-up potentially: Dolphins, Jets, and I think the Jets are um, probably better than the Patriots. Patriots. Um, the Patriots have done nothing to surround Mac Jones with any talent, and I'm not convinced he's that great that, to begin with. That's right. Uh, and then the Dolphins, I. I think they're they have lots of question marks now. They got Tyreek Hill; he's very, very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Tua, I mean, he feels like he's uh, one tackle away from ending his career. Yeah, uh, I, at, yeah. At, at any given point, that seems fair. So, you know, I I actually feel pretty good about 
being second in that division or even 1A, depending on how the mm. Bills' season goes. Yeah. And, you know, you know, all these things have caveats with injuries and all, sure. all sorts of things. And Yeah. So – but the Jets, the Jets look really, really good. Uh, Makai Becton is uh, you familiar with Makai Becton. I'm not. Our left tackle, we we took in the first round. The only thing I remember about him from draft night is he's like six foot eight, three hundred and seventy five pounds. I mean, he's just a big boy. Mm-hmm. And on his draft pl- profile says "loves soul food," and that's all it said. <laughs> you could uh, probably just drop the word "soul" out of that and just said "loves food." food. Uh, but he's coming pounds. He's coming to camp forty pounds lighter, All right. and uh, moves very, very well. Um, I, he played at Louisville. I think they called him the Mountain. Uh, hmm. So if he can, if he can play left tackle for us and be healthy all year, which he hasn't been the last two years, yeah, uh, we're gonna be okay. All right, I think we're gonna be okay. Well, at some point before the season, we will do our uh, preseason predictions. You'll you'll make a prediction for the Jets. Oh my goodness! I'll make a prediction for the Buckeyes, and then we'll we'll see how that goes. You know what? This will be the first time that I have hope uh, surrounding the Jets. And <laughs> hope's uh, a dangerous thing, John. Yeah, a have lot you not of, seen Shawshank Redemption? Hope's a dangerous thing. Hope's a dangerous thing. Uh, a lot of optimism, and we'll see what that transforms in my psyche over the next few weeks, particularly as I watch Hard Knocks. <laughs> okay. All right, we need to move on. So our topic for today. Yeah, we've really been undisciplined yeah, in this episode. It's the so summer. Far. Our topic for today is an article entitled The Church. Gotta love that title. The Church in a Time of Gender War. Not the church, the. The church. Yeah, just speaking generically. Yeah. <laughs> Though I think, as the article makes clear, he's speaking of the evangelical church. Yeah. Um, Can I just say we're in a we're in a rut this summer where we're texting on Sunday afternoon about what we're going to talk about the next day. Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of a summer thing as well. Like once we finish our book and done our interview, mm-hmm. yeah. it's like we're on podcation uh, a little bit. <laughs> you know, through... are you suggesting we're just phoning these episodes in until we get to the fall? N- no, <laughs> no, because we we read the article and yeah. we think the article has something important to say, and sure. we have serious thoughts about the articles. However, we're not we're not sitting down discussing. Okay, what are we covering over the next twelve weeks? No, we're not doing that. No, which we probably should. So. Yeah, we probably should. Probably should. Anyway, uh, this article is by Samuel James, who um, he uh, has a has a website entitled Digital Lurg- Liturgies. Digital Liturgies. That's not easy to say, by mm. the way. Dot net. Um. Where he writes, you know, analysis, opinion pieces, etc. Um, I I've actually met him once. I don't know if he still does. He worked for Crossway for a while. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Um, but he's sort of carved out a space of being a cultural commentator, church commentator. Um, and so I came across this article, and I thought this looks like some good pod fodder for us. Okay. Um, so. Again, part of the challenge with doing articles like this is that we know you haven't read them as a listening audience. And so we have to try to give some basic summary of what the article is arguing for uh, and then discuss it. So um, basically, he is contending that um, there's this ongoing – what he refers to as a gender war that takes a couple of different shapes within the evangelical church. And part of it's a reflection of what's going on in culture um, that uh, on the one hand, you've got um, – again, this comes at it from a variety of different angles. Uh, one angle he talks about is that uh, members of the opposite sex have no idea how to talk to each other. Mm-hmm. So really he's focusing on people like in their 20s probably would be the range. 20s right? and early 30s. 20s and early 30s. Yeah. Um, and that uh, beyond just not being able to talk to each other, uh, that's tied to the nationwide decline of marriage and sex. And what's one of the points that she makes is that it's not something that men or women are protesting. They're just adapting to it. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and you know, we've seen this that as a general rule, the the marriage age has increased. Yeah. Um, and and there are a variety of factors that go into this. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he's he's not automatically sort of saying a sort of one size fits all analysis here. Um, but part of what he's getting at is that he shows this chart in the article. Uh, and basically the chart is entitled the, S- the Share of Single Men in the U.S. Who Are Looking for Dates or a Relationship Has Declined Since 2019. So these stats are from 2022. So in that three-year span, the number of single U.S. adults – and I don't see a d- definition here. Is it just – Generic. Single adults refers to those who are not married, living with a partner, or in a committed relationship. Okay. So this is not broken down by age. But anyway. Um, so in, uh, in, ni- in 2019, 49% of single adults were looking for a uh, romantic relationship or, uh, or even casual dates. That number dro- has dropped to 42. Mm-hmm. What's striking, though, is that when it comes to men, the number went from 61 to 50. So it dropped by 11 percent. Right. Whereas for women, it dropped from 38 to 35. So 38 to 35, probably not a huge statistical. I I think the more interesting thing uh, with that for single women is that there's just less single women looking for a relationship. In total, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Like like men, it's it's half. Yeah. Half even today are looking for it. For women, it's gotcha. a third. That, yeah. that feels significant to me. That, I agree. I agree. Uh, uh, a little more than a third of single women are looking mm-hmm. for a relationship. That's right. fascinating. Well, and he gets into that to some degree in, in the sense of he talks about um, the uh, – where does he put this? He, he's got this – that on the one hand – oh, where is it here? So from the from the from the female side of it, he basically identifies how um, some women are. Um, how does he put this? I'm looking for the for the line here. Um, Talk about the single woke females. Yeah, but before that, um, oh, in the fir- end of the first paragraph here, uh, he says. Uh, as he's looking at the church, we also started hearing and seeing evidence that the emerging generation of Christians really had no idea how to talk to the opposite sex. Men were paralyzed, passive, and clueless. Women were easily turned off and aloof. Oh, again, broad sweeping statements. Sure. Uh, but I, I do wonder um, – I do wonder if they're on if he's onto something there. Mm-hmm. That and maybe we could see those as like tendencies, not universals by any means, but that maybe the tendency among some women is to either be so picky or so you know like demanding that a guy hit thirty seven boxes to check off, and that. On the other end, some men are just so stinking passive and casual and not intentional about pursuing a woman that that it falls apart that way too. Yeah, I'd want to replace the conjunction. So men were uh, – they were witnessing that the men were paralyzed, passive, and clueless. I'd want to change that to or. OK. I, I don't think we see all three of those traits in same people. I think that's three different problems. That, that can men, be. Yeah, that men I think that's fair. Regularly, some men are regularly paralyzed. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Some men are regularly passive, and yes. some men are regularly clueless. Like, like it's it's one of those three things. And, I think that's fair. Um, like, like if if I can talk about myself in my own twenties experience, probably paralyzed. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and a lot of that had to do with the pressures of uh, a lot of the pressures that I felt from family, the church, or my own school that I was attending. Ring by spring, uh, John. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so that was a paralyzing fear for me. 
Okay. Um, I did not as much feel the passivity or the cluelessness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I imagine the same thing is true for women. Like I'd want to change that conjunction from the women were easily turned off or aloof. Okay. Like I, I, that that's a subtle distinction. No, I think that's valuable um, though. But uh, but I think it's I, I think it helpfully describes my own experience yeah. being single into my late twenties and early thirties. Mm-hmm. Um, that yeah, there there are some women that are were far too picky. They were easily turned off, and there are some that, quite frankly, just didn't have a clue. Yeah. So. Yeah, and certainly the the comments about men. Um, paralyzed, passive, or clueless. Um, for sure. For sure. Um, I think, uh, and then he, he does do do a section here about kind of the extremes of that, of the sort of quote-unquote single woke female uh, getting hardened in her political and social views and turning, turning men off. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, you've got men who are, uh, are you familiar with the term insul? No, no, that was okay. the first time I'd heard that term. I, th- I feel like I've heard that term, but basically, um, it, it's referring to someone who uh, is more and more uh, isolated from the real world, and his whole life it revolves around stuff online. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and he points out each of them have these like hardening dogmatic convictions that make it harder to in one sense, bridge the gap between the sexes. Yeah. Um, what did you make of his point? I thought one of the interesting points that he makes is that marriage is uniquely positioned to uh, to teach you to learn how to uh, relate to people of the opposite sex. That it, it, it creates a built-in empathy – because mm-hmm. you you are committed to getting to know one person of the opposite sex in a covenant relationship, mm-hmm. um, and that if you don't, if you're not committed to that, then it's going to be a hard go for you in that marriage. Let alone outside of that in the workplace or in oh, other yeah. contexts of relating to the to the opposite sex. Yeah, yeah. So when I was when I was a resident director, I would I would have these teams of students that would work for me, mm-hmm. um, and there were years where I just had teams of guys, um, and they were cracking jokes, they were being ridiculous, they mm-hmm. were loud. Yep. They were uh, they would either <laughs> oscillate between that and just being like super unengaged and passive and 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 all these things, and I would talk to. Uh, uh, my female coworker who had teams of nothing but women, uh-huh. and uh, these women were uh, all the stereotypes you can imagine, right? Overly emotional, dramatic, yeah. all these things, and it was just it was just uh, ridiculous. My f- my favorite teams is when we had some men and some women on the team, mm-hmm. and and at that time I would say the the men anchor the women mm-hmm. uh, emotionally and, and, and keep a, a, a keep us on task mm-hmm. and the women mature the men <laughs> uh, and yeah. there's not as many yeah. jokes flying you know they they're engaged they're present mm-hmm. and you had a much, much more enjoyable time when you had a team of men and women working together yeah um, and, and I think I think that illustrates this point nicely that that yeah um, now that on a microcosm, you know, marriage is much more intense and serious, right? Right. Um, right. That it does help us build an empathy for the opposite sex. Although I think he does a good job of being like, not all women feel one way about things. Sure. And so sure. when when you're marrying, you are going to understand a woman, not yeah. all women. Yeah. Yeah. And and fair. reverse is true for men as well. For sure. Um, what did you make about? Uh, he, he transitions from that to a, a point about singleness and how the church deals with singleness. Mm-hmm. He writes, uh, six years ago, I didn't see any problem with the way that many evangelical books and pastors talked about singleness and single Christians. I agreed with these resources that the number one issue for the church and singles should be to normalize being unmarried to work to remove any pressure or expectation that people should try to wed, and to hold up single people in the church as exemplars of faithful Christian ministry. 
I don't think this anymore. I'm not saying I've decided that single people cannot be faithful Christians or even elders in the church. I'm not saying that we should ridicule singles or instinctively distrust them. What I am saying is that I now believe most evangelical churches should look at their single members with both eyes open, an appreciation for the wonderful potential of their season of life, but also a desire and strategy, as the Lord permits, to find ways to get these people Christian spouses. In other words, I don't think we should fear admitting that marriage is, in the majority of situations we will come across, preferable to singleness. I think I'm okay with that. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think there there is a um, – and, and I speak of this being – having been a single person in my 30s in an in a evangelical church. Mm-hmm. I think there are some sensitivities that need to come with that, right? Yes. Um, I can remember, boy, that sermon only had illustrations for people who uh, uh, were of a certain age or at a certain life season. Like, yep. I, I think some. Yep. I think we've talked about that in the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Th- there needs to be some intentional mm-hmm. reflection on those things. That not every illustration or application should be from the realm of marriage. Yeah. Or um, parenting. Right. Um, and 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 I think with an eye, thinking of an eye toward, hey, this this is good uh, for 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 marriage. Like, like marriage is a good thing, and, mm-hmm. and you should aspire to this. Like, I, I think you can do both. Okay. Um, yeah. So I I think I'm on board with what he with what he says here. I agree. I think that's a really fine line. Absolutely. To walk. Absolutely. Yeah. And. I mean, it's going to require pastors engaging with single people in their church to yes. talking about like, hey, I'm preaching this passage. Mm-hmm. Here's a here's a bit of my application. What are ways we can apply this to a single life? Yeah. Um, um, or, uh, hey, you, you want to know what? How, how are you doing in your desire for marriage? Is that something uh, that the Lord has laid on your heart? You know, mm-hmm. 90% of people do get married or historically 90% of people get married. Mm-hmm. You're probably getting married at some point. Yeah. Have you thought through that? What What is that going to be like? And yep. those conversations are less heard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. Rare is the person that wanted to talk about my singleness and desire to get married. Yeah. So. Yeah. I. I agree. I think. Um, I think part of the challenge is. Um, there's multiple challenges. One part of the challenge is. The fact that uh, it can feel like a very personal area to talk about with, with absolutely, a person. yeah, and it it can feel a little bit, you know, even I mean, even as your friend, I remember during your single years during that window yeah. that I would feel a bit of hesitation, <laughs> not because I felt like you would be offended if I talked with you about those things. But also not wanting to be the one who stirs up, you know, yes, I really want to be married and I'm working on contentment and now you ask me about it and it stirs all the all the junk up again. Yeah. And you, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, absolutely. There, there can be that kind of hesitation on the part of others, I think. Oh, yeah. To not want to potentially hit a nerve and be like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to like, you know – touch on something that's a sensitive area for you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and my response to that is people are going to step in it. <laughs> it's just going to happen. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you you say, hey, I'm sorry. I, di- I didn't mean to upset you in that way. I didn't mean to mm-hmm. offend you. I just care about you. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, take that attitude, be willing to apologize, come at it with a humble attitude. I, mm-hmm. I think nine times out of ten, it's going to be fine. Yeah. And I'm sure that, there, that there's also the the concern about you don't want to push so hard that you end up encouraging bad relationships That's that right. end up yeah. into bad marriages. Mm-hmm. All for the goal of, well, marriage is a good thing, so we should be pushing yeah. singles to, you know, date, be in relationships, and then Well the other th- the other thing I'll mention, I know I've mentioned this to you before. Um when I was thinking of marrying uh asking Andrea to marry me. Mm-hmm. I remember talking to people 
Um, I, I will not name names. <laughs> uh, you are not one of them. Okay, I, I will say <laughs> that's a relief. Uh, where people go, I mean, marriage is hard. You sure, you want to do this? Marriage is re- this is really hard, mm-hmm. really hard. Like trying to, like I'm like, are you trying to talk me out right. of this? <laughs> yeah. like, I, I think publicly talking about the joy of marriage mm-hmm. and uh, how enjoyable their marriages are, and yeah. that they want people to experience those marriages, and not, not, you know, not only talk about that and not talking about the hard stuff. It probably sure. isn't the way forward, but I think. I think another way to help us through this is to talk about the joys uh, of marriage. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I want to hit on one other issue in this article quickly before we wrap up. Sure. Um, at the end, he 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 talks about kind of the, uh, the two contrasting um, – that's not the end here. The article talks about that there's this – kind of very dualistic situation, meaning some will look at their church and go, the biggest problem is, is that men are passive and they need to be, you know, get off their butts and lead and, and, you know, do those sorts of things. And, and then on the other side, you've got people who are saying, no, the biggest problem in this church is that men are dominant, arrogant jerks who dominate everything and don't give space for women. And his point is um, it, that that creates a dynamic that only intensifies the gender war. Mm-hmm. That those are really the extremes, obviously. Um, what did you make of that, of that point? <laughs> I love how this is like an interview of me about, <laughs> about the article. Um, yeah. I, on these sort of, polarizing gender war or culture war mm-hmm. things that are out there. It feels like there's a million of them. Yeah. I often go, yeah, that's probably right. And, and I also think that's probably right. Mm-hmm. And they're both issues that need to be dealt with. And I, yeah. I don't. <laughs> yeah, there's a both and here. Yeah, not, not neither or. Um, yeah. And so. I, but I, I did think he makes an interesting point in here. Um, it's it's kind of incidental, but. He makes the point in here that it there seems to be a preponderance in the church, in the evangelical church. Pastors and church church leaders are way more uh, consistent and eager to deal with and address sins that are specific to men mm-hmm. than they are to deal with sins that are more specific is the wrong word, uh, more common. Among women, mm-hmm. um, do you think that's the case? Uh, pro- probably, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, he names uh, he he goes to one Twitter Twitter fella, mm-hmm. and this guy's talking about uh, women having one night stands and having affairs on their husbands. Mm-hmm. I don't think many pastors in the United States are unwilling to call that out. Okay. Would you would you disagree? Well, but I think the point is the the person who tweeted that is saying it seems like this is a trend among women, mm-hmm. and that pastors are hesitant to call out specifically women for that trend. That women they, as a whole, so so that they would make it a generalized, you know, hey, cheating on a spouse is a bad thing, don't do it, as opposed to there seems to be this rise of of in the number of women who do this. Yeah. So women knock it off kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas when it comes to men's issues, like and one of the more obvious one is pornography. When sure. when that's talked about, it's about 95-5 directed towards men. Mm-hmm. Even though if you look statistically, there's any anywhere between 30 to 40% of women yeah. who view pornography. And so it I, I use those as examples to say that that's what he's kind of getting at is that as he sees it, there's at least chunks of the church that are way more willing to focus on men's sins that, you know, sins that seem to be particularly uh, more common among men mm-hmm. versus sins that are particularly more common among women. Do I do I think that's fair? Do, do you think that's an do you think that's an accurate assessment? Uh, 
Yes, I do. Okay. I, I would not say that this guy's Twitter thing of women, this rise of it women. It may not should, be the best example. Um, just because I went, well, that's news to me. Like I was <laughs> unaware of this, <laughs> right. of this wave right. of adultery that's right. happening throughout. Right. Uh, but I mean, think more traditionally, so to speak, gossip. Mm-hmm. As a general rule, you probably think because women tend to be more communicative with each other than men. Mm-hmm. Perhaps gossip is a little bit more prevalent among women as a general rule than it is among men. Mm -hmm. And is that called out as such? I don't know. Um, It was just an interesting point. I I will say – Do you not buy it? I think there's something going on here. And and the the main – one of the main examples I would give is the difference between Mother's Day sermons and Father's Day sermons. (laughs) Yes. I saw a tweet about this a while ago. Right? True. Trogues? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, Yeah. Mother's Day sermons are, oh, mothers are amazing. It's such a gift from God. They do all these amazing things. They have such an impact. They're awesome. We celebrate you. Yeah. Father's Day sermons are, get off your butt, play catch with your kid, pay attention. Here's an RC Cola. Yeah. Lead lead your house. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. So, again, that's a stereotype. But I think there's some truth to that in terms of how how those two – Seemingly very similar holidays are oh, yeah, in the church even. So, well, there's more we could talk about, but we're past time. We, this is the first time we've been in the studio for like a week and a half. So we're a little, little, little undisciplined. Today, this episode has been very undisciplined. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've yeah. sort of been all over the place. Yeah. And that's not a, that's not a jab uh, at you or at me or us in general. We, we just, we just a little I mean, off our game. It's our show. It is. <laughs> I mean, we can do what we want. Yeah. I mean, the, remember the prime directive: don't get don't fired. Get fired. Yeah. As long as we accomplish that, then we're then we're okay. So, all right, ready to move on? Yes. Time now for this day in sports history. All right, this day in sports history, July twenty fifth. Crazy. July twenty fifth, twenty twenty three. School starts in what? Two and a half weeks? Something like that. Uh, the week. Three of, weeks. Well, the first day of classes. Is the twenty third of August, so still a ways, but like the three or four weeks, yeah. But like the sixteenth is kind of when in service and all that sort of stuff, and stuff creeps into the days before that. So really, the, the week coming. starting August fourteenth is when things start to get, you know, ramping back up for it's us. It's coming, yeah. Um, all right, uh, nineteen fifty six on July twenty fifth, uh, Pittsburgh Pirates Roberto Clemente hits his MLB's. First and only walk-off inside the park Grand Slam 9-8, to eight, winning over the sh- visiting Chicago Cubs at Forbes Field. Roberto Clemente. Yeah. A inside-the-park home run. Uh, walk-off. Grand Slam. Which that's, is that's... which might be the most Roberto Clemente yeah. thing ever. Oh, 100%. Um, I recently heard a story of Roberto Clemente uh, in San Diego uh, leaving the game and his teammate walks by and goes – I got some fried chicken. And he goes, where did you get it? I want some fried chicken. Points him down the street. So he goes down to get some fried chicken, gets a bag of fried chicken, is walking back to his hotel, up rolls a car uh, with guys sticking guns at him, force him to get in the car, drive him around, strip him naked, take his bag of chicken. And um, they asked him, wait, what do you do? (laughs) And he goes – and thinking, I'll say I'm from San Diego. They'll be more favorable to a San Diego player. Yeah. I play professional baseball for the San Diego Padres. They immediately give him his clothes back. <laughs> he gets dressed. They set him outside his hotel. They drive away, slam on the brakes, turn around, come back, hand him his bag of chicken, and then drive away. Okay. No one believed him. Anyway, okay, that's my Roberto Clemente story. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Uh, 1999, uh, 86th Tour de France. Uh, Lance Armstrong wins first of seven consecutive Tour de France's, uh, but later has a kerfluffle uh, with uh, with uh, doping. Yes. Yeah. Did, did you see the 30 for 30 with uh, Lance Armstrong? I believe I did. Yeah. I believe I did. Yep. Yeah, that's a real problem. He was 
doing some illegal oh, yeah. stuff. Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, but the issue is he was just better at it than everybody else, right? Oh, 100%. That's, that's the rationalization I tell yeah. myself as an American that like, well, actually the French, the Germans, all these people were doing all it. All of them were doing it. We just did it best. <laughs> um, 2016, England fast bowler Jimmy Anderson becomes the first to take 50 wickets against all seven major test cricket playing nations during the second test against Pakistan in Manchester. I understood about 40% of that. <laughs> Yeah, so bowler is like our equivalent to pitcher. Right, they bounce it in though, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so and that, I, would that be like the equivalent of like strikeouts? I think so, yeah. And I understood the term Pakistan as well. <laughs> That's a relief. Uh, 2021, Japanese uh, judakas Uta-Abe, <laughs> Uta-Abe, there we go, uh, and his brother, oh, that's a dude. Her, her brother. Her brother. So the first one was a woman. Oh, the first one's a woman. Yudokas Uta Abe. Uh, and brother Hifumi? Sure. Um, make history as the first siblings to win Olympic golds in different events on the same day at the Tokyo Games. Yeah. That's, That's wonderful. Cool. Yeah. What a heartwarming tale. Despite the unfamiliar names. Uta Abe. Yeah. So uh, who do you like out of that list? Um, I mean, we can't go Lance Armstrong. No, that's a very negative story <clears throat> about American greatness. Um, <laughs> I kind of like Roberto Clemente. Okay, I mean, you told a story about him. So. I did. I did. I can and go with that. That'll be that'll be clear in just a moment. <laughs> okay. About why I told a story about Roberto. Clemente. Ah, I see. I see. Okay. All right. One thing you liked. Uh, the one thing I liked, I started a new audio book called The Baseball 100, the top 100 baseball players uh, in MLB history. Hmm. Fascinating read. Uh, covering – I think the 100th best player is Ichiro, uh, and I'm down in the 40s somewhere right now. Ichiro's that high. Ichiro was the 100th best player. Okay. Interesting. I mean, I guess if you include his – Japanese and they do so. One thing, one of the one of the struggles he has is like, um, he he basically goes, legend has to be a part of what, of of our rating system and storytelling. Okay, because ha- what do you do with some of these Negro League players? Oh yeah yeah yeah. Uh, so like, what do you do with uh, the Negro League player that they said was so fast that he uh, that he hit a ball uh, at second base and it hit him in the butt when he slid in the second base? Yeah. Right? Like, that obviously didn't happen, but he was no doubt very, very fast. Sure. You know? And sure. so and so they do this. And so you'll hear a guy and you're like, I have no idea who that is. Turns out he's some Negro yeah. League player from back in the day. Yeah. And it's a, it's a great story. Um, some odd ones that I've run into. Uh, where would you put Derek Jeter on this list? Uh, see, that's so hard, isn't it? I mean – I always felt like he was a very overrated player. Okay. And that if you put him on the Kansas City Royals and gave him the exact same stats and even the same number of world championships. He's not as big of a deal. He's not as big of a deal. They gave him upper 70s. Yeah, I'm not even sure I'd put him in the 100. Really? 3,000 hits, though. That's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Where would you put Jackie Robinson? Well, I mean, can we put him at 42? That's where he is. He's at 42. (laughs) Where would you put Joe DiMaggio? Which I've already come across, by the way, and I'm in the low 40s. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm guessing he's in the upper 50s, low 60s? 56. Okay. Which – was his hitting streak. Right. Yeah, his hitting streak. And yeah. that annoys me a little bit when he does that, when there's like an iconic number right. with them yeah, yeah, and he yeah, gives yeah. them that spot. Yeah. That's kind of annoying. Yeah. Um, because that feels like a gimmick and not a rating. But right. yeah. fascinating book. Great, great baseball story. They just did Yogi Berra. Okay. Oh, uh, Yogi Berra. They they basically like, here are the best Yogi Berra one-liners. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he interspersed them with, 12 strikeouts that he had in a single season. And he goes, why did I tell you about these 12 strikeouts? 
They were the only strikeouts he had for the entire season. That's like a week for power hitters these days. Yes. <laughs> and they said, sure, some other guys had some seasons where they where they struck out less. None of them were power hitters. They mm-hmm. were slappers, slashers. Yeah. They were not Yogi Berra. Yeah. Anyway, very cool. Very cool. Sorry, I've talked too much about the Baseball 100. No, but no, no, you're Awesome, good. awesome book. Yeah. See, I, I, I was torn for my one thing I liked, and I, I really want to do two. And so well, gonna, it's our show. It is two. our show. And yeah. I'm, I'm actually going to bring the worlds together. Oh, boy. We're going to bring them together. So last week, um, our friends, the Cornells, visited, Rich and Lori. Oh, fun. And so Rich was my college roommate for several years, best man at my wedding. We need to get Rich on the pod here soon. Well, if you'd have been in town. I know. I know. I was out of town. We'd have done it. Yeah. But um, anyway, uh, I just had a great time hanging out with them for a few days. Uh, Even though we don't see eye to eye on a lot of the sort of secondary issues uh, Mm. in terms of uh, Christianity. Um, Such a great friend. And so just a lot of laughter and played a lot of games. Uh, Introduced him to disc golf as well. Oh, really? They don't have disc golf in Arminianism. (laughs) Well, I'm not sure I'm going to line it up theologically. (laughs) Uh, They had just never played. Okay. Okay. So. Uh, but at the end of their visit, um, so we found out that uh, our son Jake got a full-time job at the Y here. Awesome! In town. Yeah, that's great. He had applied. He'd been working there part time for the last six and a half months ish. Okay. And now he is uh, officially the full-time director of sports and recreation. Nice. At the YMCA here in town. Nice. So, That's great. Yeah. Very exciting. Um, he's looking forward to it. And uh, fun to talk him through all of the adulting things. Like yeah. we'll have to talk him through like which health care plan oh, he's yeah. going to take. Charitable and... giving to his alma mater. Yeah. All those things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I didn't even think of that. But of course, <laughs> of course the guy in advancement thinks of that. Hey, so. I'm, I'm here to help. <laughs> Well, you know how to contact him. Yeah, I, I have his cell number. <laughs> yes. All right. We have really rambled throughout this episode covering a remarkably wide range of topics, including our latest publication together, John. We talked about a relative of mine winning the Open Championship. That's right. We talked about the gender war in the church. We talked about Roberto Clemente. We talked about the Baseball 100 and a visit with friends that we had and my son Jake's new job. And so I think by definition, we have covered our various and sundry topics. And all that's left to say is, until next time, the Lord bless y'all real good. Later. Later.